As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome, everybody. It's the Athletic Fantasy Football Show. Still no Michael Beller on baby duty. Congratulations. Uh, Brandon saw the text. He saw that. Uh, the Cubs are undefeated against the Mets since his baby was born. Like that's, <laughs> hey, that a I, thing? I, I, that's got to be a thing. I have to think that's a thing. But speaking of things, continuing our pre-draft coverage, this is wide receiver day, and there are... No better. I was going to say few better. There are no better. And if you see my tweets about it, there are no better people when it comes to scouting football players, in my opinion, than the former athletic member, but now over at CBS Sports, Emery Hunt. Before you even get rolling, Emery, where people follow you, where they find your work, where they find your videos, the, obviously your guide, which it's still not too late to read up before the draft happens. So share everything for everybody with that. Well, it's always good to be back on the show. And um, they can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash football game plan. That's where you get all our football game plan videos. Our draft guide is at footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Over 580 prospects graded, over 648 pages. Um, and it's a lot of content, <laughs> not just to help you pre-draft, but we know the NFL roster is very transient throughout the year. So again, 250-something guys will get drafted but you're going to see another 300 get signed as undrafted free agents and multiple guys throughout the season, training camp, preseason kind of get rotated out throughout the roster. The draft guy kind of helps you uh, understand who your team is, is picking and where they fit on the roster. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about particularly for today. And by the way, for everybody out there, this is how my, this is the perfect example I always give when the XFL was there and it's coming, come back. But when the XFL was going on, there was one person I knew was like, oh, I know who that is. I knew who that is. And that was Emery Hunt. So for everybody, it was like, again, I feel like you're slacking a little this, but Emery, was it like 700 players that year? And now it's well, like I think, yeah. What, well, what he, happened? <laughs> well, the small college guys are playing in the spring. So. Oh, you, yeah. Touche. Oh, there you, you go. Lost a lot of FCS, D2, D3 prospects and Canadian prospects. Um, so guarantee with all the guys going back, opting back in for the fall of 2021, and with the FCS, the small colleges playing in the fall, the next year's draft guide will probably like be close to exactly. <laughs> right? It's going to be nuts. How are you going to grade that flip passing touchdown? 
<laughs> in that one game. I don't know if you could put oh, a grade on I got that. actually I have a grade on Daniel Smith from Villanova because I thought go. obviously I thought the small college guys would play in the fall, but Smith is a really good player, man. So I'm not surprised he made a wild throw. Um, <laughs> but he's excellent though. I, I do like his mobility. I think he's probably more of a CFL guy than an NFL guy, but he got some skills. Actually, so real quick, wait, for the, wait for your yeah. call on the next James Robinson, who, if, if <laughs> well, people don't know, I'm Emory so made that call. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because we're talking wide receivers today. We did running backs on Tuesday. But before we go to wide receivers, real quickly, Emory, this is just a blanket quick one. Who's your favorite not high-end running back, low-end that people might be overlooking for fantasy? And not, I don't want to say your next James Robinson because even you, when you call James Robinson, I, I think you know this as much as anybody's. That's like a one out of 20. That doesn't not gotta happen every single year. But do you have a diamond sitting there in this draft that you really like? I don't I don't want to say diamond because you know, because people think diamond and think small college, but a lot of small college guys didn't play this year. Uh, but right. a guy that is gonna, you know, be my Tariq Cohen this year, um, even though he played a small school, but someone that's just gonna be dynamic from day one, Puka Williams. And I like it. You know, people are gonna yeah. knock him because of his size, but Puka Williams is just dynamic man with the ball in his hands great vision uh very natural runner with the football and can help you in a multitude of ways as a returner as a receiver uh but definitely as a running back despite being five nine one seventy five i i i don't care See, hey, Brandon. Jake, you've been talking to Emery because that was Jake no. on the on the last one. His sleeper running back was Puka Williams on Tuesday. It was Puka, that's what I'm saying. Like that now, I feel even better is because Emery. I actually said he could be uh, Cohen, not, and you, Brandon, said Naeem Hines. So I was, you know, thinking that's of a guys, good one. The, I like that. Yeah, like you know that kind of NFL pass catching. Like I'm glad you said that. See, my favorite thing about players like Puka, and we'll get to some of them possibly at wide receiver, are the ones that two years ago everybody was super excited for, and then have like one off season or. You know, maybe a transfer or something, and then everybody's like, "Ah, he's not good anymore. We don't, we don't care anymore. We forgot." Puka Williams, you know, to Puka Williams two years ago, people were like, "Ooh, this might be a second rounder," and all of a sudden, people are like, "Ah, who cares about him?" You know what's interesting about Puka Williams? It makes it just fascinating. Uh, you see his skill set. You watch his highlights, and it's just fantastic, just jaw dropping. Right now, rewatch his highlights and understand that on one of his feet, he doesn't have toes. So. Imagine him doing all that. Wait, all no five? Play. I thought he was missing three. Is it all five? I think it's all five. Oh wow! I thought it was wow. three. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> that's that insane. that makes him that that elevates him around <laughs> higher, in my opinion. That's I I would agree with you. You can run with no toes. I can't run, and I have a full ten toes. I mean, what does that tell you? Uh, so here's the first question, Emery uh, and Brandon, to get your opinion too. So. Uh, you grade every single player and give them all grades, number grades. So everybody, if you check out the game plan book and you can kind of see everything like that. Uh, I didn't know you at the time. And I referenced this a lot in case people missed the running back show is Michael Thomas was the year I stopped doing pure one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, and I said, I'm going to do tears because too much changes after the draft. And I always go back to Michael Thomas. Cause I said, and I remember going back and reading your stuff and you were high on him too. But I, I remember at the time before I even knew you, I was one of the highest people. And I said, that fit was perfect. I have to move him up because that fit was just so damn good for his skill set. So I'm in tears and my big three, and I'll see basically from your point, Emery, would you agree with this three? Would you drop one out? Would you put another one in my big three quote unquote this year are, I just did a quote unquote with three, as I said, <laughs> with a, <laughs> Jamar Chase, Smith, and Jalen Waddle. Would those be the same for you? Would you put somebody in that conversation? Do you think one of those three doesn't belong? No, I, I put all three of those in the conversation. That That's a good tier. That's the elite of the elite, in my opinion. People that are, 
are great no matter where they land. Sam, for you, uh, Well, I would just argue that maybe Jamar Chase is in a tier of his own. I, I don't really think that we're going to see if, if almost every NFL team is going to rank Jamar Chase above those other two then I, I kind of feel like that's a tier of its own. And, and I look at Jamar Chase and he, he, he doesn't really have a whole lot of questions where if you look at Jalen Waddle, he's five foot nine. Uh, you look at Devonta Smith, he's, he, you know, he's wafer thin. Uh, there's size issues with both those other guys. Jamar Chase doesn't have that. No, by the way, he runs as fast as Jalen Waddle and he's got a 41 inch vertical. And so he's kind of looks to me like there's, he doesn't bring any kind of, you know, you, he doesn't bring any kind of question to the equation. And so for me, I would say, yeah, I think that Smith and Waddle are right after Jamar Chase and they're in a tier of their own, but I think Chase is in a tier of his own. Okay. So let's kind of sidestep and come back to the fancy thing in a second. Let's talk real quickly. Uh, Emery Devonte Smith, you know, the size at some point, like you can't, immediately throw away size but it can often as you and i joke about it on text a lot of times like how much things get overrated year after year after year but is there Devonte smith situation is there is there an nfl he needs to play in this kind of system he needs to be on this kind of team he needs to be in this kind of usage for him to work because the size is going to limit him in certain areas like you're not going to want to throw 17 jump balls to him per game but is there like you know because I, and this is the other thing emory is i find it funny is like i feel like smith is getting so much hate for his size and just two years ago nobody cared about marquise brown size and they're just like all loving with him so what's your thought on this in, in general emory Size is not a skill, so I, I don't even care how much he weighs. Um, then we just see someone going to the Hall of Fame this year or going to the Hall of Fame. They had to retire early because of injuries, and his name was Megatron. Like, doesn't <laughs> that just tell you size don't matter? Size does not equate to injury. So for me, you if you would have told me he was 149, like 2 Atwell, or, you know, 240 pounds like A.J. Brown, don't matter to me as long as the dude could play. And so when you watch him, you you watch him work inside, you watch him work outside. Um, you know, for someone that's 166 pounds, you got to catch that 166 before you can hit it. And they have hard times catching it because he's so doggone fast. Uh, so, no, nah, I don't have an issue with it. Marvin Harrison was a, a slender guy. Um, I, you know, I don't believe Chad Johnson said he played at 165. That's He didn't. He doesn't look <laughs> as slim as, uh, as Devonta Smith. But, you know, slim receivers have been around consistently – and if you're good enough, you're big enough, and he's definitely good enough. Yeah, and I would just say, if you watch Devonta Smith, I mean, it's not like he gets jammed. I mean, he he has, you know, he's very savvy about, you know, making that weight not be an issue. I'm just saying that Chase is in a tier by himself because I think Devonta Smith is going to be a good player, but I'm, I'm looking at it from the NFL perspective, and maybe you can speak to it. I mean, how many of the 32 teams and their draft boards, how many are going to not have Jamar Chase number one at the wide receiver position? Well, to go for that, and then I'll come back to you, Emery, is I actually put uh, – so we did a betting article. I did my top five favorite bets on BetMGM, and I took Waddle as the first wide receiver drafted because I think – the NFL today, again, like if you told me which wide receiver I want, I agree with you. I want Chase, but uh, I see a lot of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and I think the NFL has become enamored with speed, and I can see somebody drafting him as the first one off. Uh, and uh, let's see if you agree with two things, Emery, is that sentiment, and then two with Chase. I don't think he's perfect. I think he gets jammed a little bit more than he should, especially given his ability and his size. So. One, Emery, do you agree that Chase should be the number one of this number one tier? 
or are you kind of on my side too with like Jalen Waddle might actually be the first wide receiver off the board? I could see both sides of it because we just saw last year, um, Henry Ruggs was the first receiver taken when folks thought it was, you know, uh, Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, you know, and, and Ruggs was taken because Ruggs has legitimate Galloway speed. And Waddle, I could see Waddle being the first taken because of his speed, his speed and acceleration and reacceleration is phenomenal. It doesn't make sense. It's very Rocket Ishmael-esque in that regard. Um, Smith and Chase. Chase, to me, is a, is a very good polished receiver. I saw a comparison last night that just kind of wowed me and made sense, and I kind of like it. I think it was Mel Kuyper, uh, his comparison, where he said Chase reminds him of Steve Smith. I was like, that's a pretty good comparison, uh, how both go up and attack the football. How You didn't think Steve Smith ran a 4-3 until – um, he timed at four three because he just doesn't look four three, but he's constantly pulling away from defenders. And so Chase is the same way. So I don't I don't know who has I think because you have 32 different teams. Some teams may have Chase number one, some teams may have Smith number one. Uh we know 32 teams don't see it the same way at quarterback. It should be Lawrence and Fields, but we know some teams will have Davis Mills in the first round, which you know you can't really you can't gauge on what uh you know what board is is what is there's never a consensus but i i don't think you can go wrong with chase waddle or smith i'm laughing i'm so glad you said it because that that mills thing every single time i see it i laugh because you hear that and then the over under in vegas is like the 70th pick it's like whoa, 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 whoa which is it could he slip into the first round or is he not going to be there until day three like can we get something in the middle at least all right so i'm going to come back to you first emery and then back to you brandon of these three, Emery, if you had to pick one who is the most likely to make an impact, and it doesn't have to be Justin Jefferson impact because we know that Justin Jefferson is not the common. Uh, let's say top 25 wide receiver of these three, who's most likely to do it for you in your opinion as a rookie? I would probably go with Chase. I think okay. Chase will end up landing in a situation where he has a good quarterback. If I'm thinking this thing through, uh, I think Chase could end up either in Detroit, where we know because he can play at all three levels, um, golf can find him. You know, he can be their version of, first of all, there's no one there right now. So <laughs> he could be their version of whatever receiver you want, the, you know, that he had at the Rams. He could be their Robert Woods. He could be his Cooper Cup. He could be, you know, his Brandon Cooks. You know, so if he goes to Detroit, he's there. If he goes to Miami, um, I think he can thrive there as well because we know Parker would draw some coverage, which means Chase will operate one-on-one. So I believe anyone that goes uh, to those two teams could have the, the highest, you know, uh, success rate as a rookie. And I, because I think Chase will go off the board first, I, I do think uh, he'll land in either Miami or in um, Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Yeah. Detroit. I don't think and Cincinnati. And I think, and I also think there's a possibility he could land in Cincinnati back with Joe Burrow, and and to me that would even be as as good as it gets for a landing spot just with that familiarity, replacing a guy in AJ Green that had, you know, well over a hundred targets. This is a team that will throw a lot, and I, I that would be nice as well. But I agree with Emory. I mean, I really, you know, I, it could be Miami, and they're just loading up weapons there, so that could be a good situation as well. But I would, I would say Chase as, is my choice here as well. 
All right, then one more follow-up, and we'll get to some of the deeper wide receivers. Brandon, uh, I had this debate with Pat Mayo on his show yesterday. Well, not so much a debate, but the point I was saying is it's the opportunity. You know, we know somebody walking to Detroit is probably going to find 140 targets in his lap because there's nothing there right now. So you bring up Cincinnati. I'm kind of with Emery was starting to say this before you jumped in and saying, I don't think they go wide receiver. I'm kind of with Emery on this. Like, everybody keeps saying wide receiver. And I just don't think that's a necessity to do, which what's still probably going to be on the board in the second round and what their needs are. But for this argument's sake, Emery, and I'm going to ask Brandon first, but if a receiver, let's take Chase. Chase goes to Cincinnati or Chase goes to Detroit. Are we taking any, we're just taking the person that goes to Detroit because of the opportunity. Same thing. We could throw Philly in this mix. If you know, you end up with that number of potential against Jalen Rager on the opposite side. Are we going to fantasy wise value the targets over what should be probably the better offense with Joe Burrow? Oh man, that's that's I mean, I think again, you got Chase and Burrow having that familiarity, so that's gonna be a hit. All right, then forget that. We'll say Waddle. Yeah. Waddle okay. with with Cincinnati versus Waddle with Detroit versus no, let's Waddle say Devonta with Smith, because Waddle kind of feels like he's going to be a slot guy. There that could be problematic with Tyler Boyd there. So um like let's just say Devonte Smith. Yeah, we'll I just I, say I, like I, do, just basically do, do heart the targets separate these three depending on who ends up there. Basically that. Yeah, I think you know Detroit's probably the better situation because you're talking Tyrell Williams, you're talking Rashad Perryman. It's easy to, to imagine a rookie going in there and just kind of taking over as the alpha. And it's going to be a terrible defense, and they're going to throw. They're going to have to throw a ton. And as you know, you can like Jerry Goff or not like him, but he's got a good arm, and you know he, he's going to. I mean, he may not be the guy that, that you want to be leading the Super Bowl in reality. But for fantasy purposes in this situation, he should he should be fine as the the guy that's distributing the football to these receivers. So I I, I think Detroit's probably the better situation in my mind. You agree with that, Emory? Yeah, I think Detroit is a, is a better situation. Um, be, it depends. You know, there there's a couple things that play at Detroit. You got a you know <laughs> traditional uh, old school head coach. You know, run a football, play good defense. You know what I'm saying? Eat eat bricks for breakfast. Uh, do you have a really good – you got a former running back as the OC uh, who does a good job in getting quarterbacks in, in position to have success. Uh, you think Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. You think uh, Justin Herbert in, in Los Angeles with Anthony Lynn as the OC. But you also have tremendous talent in the backfield with someone like DeAndre Swift. You have a very solid offensive line. They're, they're going to probably try to feature a little bit more Hawkinson uh, so we'll see what that situation is, but wide receiver wise, whoever steps in there should get the 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 opportunity to be uh, the rookie of the year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, well, let's jump to some of the deeper wide receivers. And I know this is already where the paths really start to diverge. And for everybody out there, Emery and I don't always agree. I think, Emery, you win like eight out of ten times. Just You definitely <laughs> dominate the wins there over me. But uh, So my next group of guys, a little bit different. So I'm going to start with you on one question, Emery, because my next group was Terrace Marshall, Tony, both the Moors, and Bateman. 
the one that really kind of stands out to me where it feels like you're you're on a lower end of the spectrum and again for everybody out there he doesn't hate the player but he's just lower than i am and a lot of people seem to be on him more on my side so that's always makes me second guess when emory is on the opposite side i'm always like oh my god we might all be wrong but <laughs> rashad bateman you don't hate him but he's lower than most i think you might be the lowest on rashad bateman what are your concerns with rashad bateman in the nfl especially for early success you know, it's interesting when you, you know, when you look at his true height and weight, um, he measured uh, on paper, he's 6'2", 210 at, you know, in Minnesota on, on the roster, but he measured at six feet, 190. He's about the same size as Talon Wallace, who I thought when I watched him on film was 6'3", 215. Then I, I check his height, weight. he's five, he's five eleven and a half. One night I'm like, man, this dude was making those play. I thought he was, I thought he played bigger than his size. And I thought Bateman played as his listed size. I said all I have to say quietly, they play the same game. Bateman done more of his work on the inside, while it more of his work on the outside. But I think both guys are about similar. So I see them as second round talent. I think uh, once, you know, Twitter scouts and wide receiver route running Twitter gets involved, uh, they focus on, you know, uh, certain things. And he kind of continue to one up guys. So where now you see people talk about Bateman in the first round, but Bateman to me, good receiver, but he's just like his former teammate, Tyler Johnson. I see those yeah. as just solid receivers. I think he's going to be a very good solid receiver. Um, it, but Rondell Moore is another one. I just feel like we're talking about Rondell Moore under the scope of his freshman year. And he really hadn't played much since then, you know? Um, so you have to worry about injury. Uh, an injury to me is huge. I just started to make sure I account for injuries uh, in my rankings, in my in my scouting reports, I want to say three or four years ago, because at first you just say, oh, yeah, if he's healthy, he's this. But, you know, he hadn't shown to be healthy consistently. So you just can't all, all of a sudden magically just mm-hmm. – you know, bless someone with full, full health. You know, <laughs> right. um, I, that's the thing with, with Hubbard at Roddy back. <laughs> like I said, if Hubbard could get back to a hundred percent, which might not ever happen, but if he could just get back to even 95%, I think he'd be a lot better than we've been talking about today. Like, and I always bring up the obvious situation with like Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb's knee blew out 17 ways from Sunday, but everybody remembers Nick Chubb before and it took him some time and he's probably still never been 100%, but he got back to 95. I feel like Hubbard's kind of in that 80, 85. We, I want him. You know, I'm glad you said that about health. The other part that I, I'm glad he said, Brandon, and I'm kind of curious your thoughts on more too is, I'm going to pull in Kyle Pitts because I think he's the perfect example of this is like we went from the end of the football season, the college football season to be like, oh, my God, Kyle Pitts is a great talent. He's wide receiver like all this type of stuff. And people are like, all right, mid first round. And then it's kind of what Emery was alluding to. I feel like everybody on draft Twitter kind of is like, well, I think he's better than you even think he is. I think he's even better than you think he is. And then all of a sudden <laughs> we get to the point where it's like Kyle Pitts should be in the first pick of the draft over Trevor Lawrence. Like it, it's and that's kind of I, I, I'm glad he said that. It kind of feels like that with Rondell Moore. It's like I want it's like draft Twitter wants to be like, I like him more than you do. So if you yeah. like him at a 20, I'm going to put him at 15. Yeah, I understand that uh, mentality. And look, Rondell Moore, I could put his pro day on loop and just watch it all day long. It's just like that guy is so electrifying. I mean, blazing speed. It's like a 40-some inch vertical. He's an awesome athlete. But, you know, Emery said it. I mean, he's injuries. You got to account for that. And and I don't know about you, but I'd almost prefer that he had an, an ACL injury he was coming back than missing 11 games with the same hamstring injury. Like, 
hamstring injuries, those are, those are notorious. Like we hate those in fantasy. I mean, they, some guys like Will Fuller just never seemed to be able to get past those kind of issues. And it's scared. It's concerning to me that the guy that's just, you know, so muscular and, and tightly wound is having issues with his soft tissue with the hamstrings. That's something that scares me a little bit going forward. The other thing is he's five foot seven. Now, you know, I was just editing a column from Jeff Haverlick on, on our site about draft DNA and what makes up, you know, the top 12 at each position in fantasy year over year. Like what are the common traits? There was nine guys out of 168 top 12 receivers in fantasy from 2007 that were five, nine or, or shorter. And if you take out Wes Wilker, that there was only four because Wes Wilker was in there five times. So, <laughs> so not only is Rondell Moore not five, you know, under five, nine, he's five foot seven, which is like, you know, that's, it's a unicorn. See, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, and I understand that, but this is where I go back to Emory's side of it too, is, you know, I see a lot of people like one of, one of the ones to go back to pits. Somebody tweeted out yesterday. It was like, Tight end ones drafted as a first rounder in dynasty since 2013. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. It's 2013. The NFL is different than what it was in 2018, let alone 2013, let alone what these yeah. prospects are just by throwing out these names. And it kind of gets people caught in traps of like, oh, well, look, Eric Ebron didn't do it as much as the it guess Kyle Pitts is it Eric Ebron. Like, I think yeah. we kind of get hung up on that a little bit. So I'm going to come, I want to stick on the injury thing. And I'm going to go, since we're talking about with you and then Emery, it's kind of what you were talking about before too. The Terrace Marshall news, which is good timing because, well, not, good timing for him, but bad timing for him, but good news for us for the show is you're talking about the injuries. Terrace Marshall pops up yesterday. Like they re not, I was going to say re worried. Like they got worried again after the testing at the combine situation Well, the pseudo combine that they had this year. Does that late news from Marshall to you? I'm going to ask you kind of a different way of this, Brandon. Does it feel like legitimate concern or does it feel like blowing smoke because somebody in the draft might want to try and get a value? Uh, I, yeah, I tend to, uh, kind of lean towards the latter. I feel like everything that comes out within, you know, a few, few weeks. weeks before the, the draft is like, uh, you gotta be suspect, you know, it could be a smoke screen. Um, so yeah, I would probably err a little bit on the latter side on that. Where are you on that? Um, Marshall Emery with it, because it's, if it is true, this injury has been lingering for a while now. Yeah. He's always had injury questions at LSU. Um, and that's the thing he's always been banged up. And so that goes into the evaluation. Okay, are we ever going to see him at full strength? Or do you invest in someone that may miss some time based off the sequence of his history? So that's why you probably see guys drop. It's not like teams tend to miss on guys, which they do, but they also look at, you know, operational costs. I need to have someone that's going to be out there consistently for me to invest in. You know, and and that's the biggest key. A lot of times we find out about these injuries around this time or at the combine or, you know, why someone fell. And, and that's the reason why. So I, I would say, you know, he's had those issue, those injuries issues, issues at LSU, uh, which is, you know, kind of why he didn't break out when everyone else was breaking out. Um, and that's partly the reason. And so uh, real quick, let's stick on Marshall and a few more players. Uh, I want to bring this up because he's before that news yesterday. And the injury so he was one of those ones that was getting some of that late helium it was like oh i like terry i would put terrence marshall in the tier one haha <laughs> i like him more than you uh but here's my big concern that's been with emory uh or with marshall emory is the fact that i think i compared him and i brought this up because i always like to use marquise lee as this example 
again, not the same wide receiver, but what I said about Marquise Lee when he came out of college was he was that much better than his competition. So he got lazy and he wasn't running crisp routes and he wasn't very good with his technique, but he didn't care. And it didn't really show up much in his production because he was that much better. I see that with Marshall. Like I see him just letting the defenders stay on him. I see him stop and let the defender get back into the play. Um, I think his routes really need to be cleaned up. So Again, that's workable and coachable. I'd rather have that than some other issues. But that's my concern of Terrace Marshall, even if healthy, that as a rookie, he might not be anything more than kind of like a chain mover until he addresses that issue. And hopefully not like Marquise Lee doesn't take three years to do it. Yeah, you just hope that he's just able to, to get out, out of the gate and, and play with that same sense of urgency uh, that he did earlier in, in the year. And you saw as a quarterback situation kind of deteriorated at LSU, so did his, his uh, effort, so to speak, out there on the field. And, you know, going to a situation, what if he goes to a quarterback situation where, let's say he goes to Minnesota, you saw how many times dudes wanted to punch Kirk Cousins in the face. So <laughs> if he goes somewhere where the quarterback is just not that good, right? Um, how excited will he be to get open? So, you know, there's a lot of things in play here, but I, I do think um, that frustration just kind of, start to weigh on him at LSU. So hopefully um, we don't see that at the NFL level. Anything you had to add before we move to the next one, Brandon, or you no, said your piece on Marshall. I said my All right. Piece. Then I am sticking with Emory on this one. Cause he already brought his name up and we're coming to him. We have to come to him because the immediate pushback I got on Tutu Atwell was, do you know how small he is? <laughs> like that's the, ex and then what he's weighing like one, 55 Emory or even was he 49, than that? 149. 149. So I think we all know skill wise, he's a very dangerous wide receiver. Uh, is he going to be NFL pigeonholed as a slot guy only? And then forced to, I guess his ceiling is Cole Beasley with his floor being, he might not even be irrelevant because he's not on the field enough. Yeah, I think that that'll be the case, but it's funny to go back and watch, um, you know, spring Twitter before the uh, the, the, the college football like season. You was have breakdowns of all the Twitter. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> spring football Twitter. Um, and everyone was showing Tutu Atwell highlights and him just blow, blowing past everybody on deep over routes. And like, oh, I love Tutu Atwell. Oh, I love him more than you. Oh, I'm about to have his baby. You know, like, so <laughs> you see all that now. Uh, and fast forward, those same people, now that they find his official weight, all of a sudden, everything that they said, they either scrubbed it off the internet or they're saying, well, you know, with more information, then they find these arbitrary stats to fit their argument that how many players have you seen at 149 pounds ever succeed in the NFL? Like, how many players are Tutu Atwell then? Uh, so I think he'll be a situational player um, at the next level. He'll have his opportunity to be J.J. Nelson, Tavon Austin, Cole Beasley, all those short, small guys that you want to throw in there. He'll have his opportunity to be every one of those guys. But the one thing I'll say for, for Tutu Atwell in his defense, you have to catch that 149 to hit that 149. And if you don't catch him, him being 149 is no different than him being 400 pounds. It's like, it's just a number. We saw that 149 fly past so many people in the ACC, which the last time I checked is a power five conference that everybody loves to talk about. Maybe he played, maybe they classify Louisville as a small school, you know, because it's not in the SEC. Who knows? But all I know is every time I watch him play, he's running past people that are, you know, uh, going to be playing on Sunday. And the last time I checked, NFL players come from college football in the United States. They don't come from some other planet, Xenon or something like that. So when I say people 
are tend to be dumb on purpose. This is an example of being dumb on purpose. Yeah, I'll just add, like, you know, I've talked about the size thing um, and, like, how rare it is for guys 5'9", but this is one of those years and maybe we're seeing a change because if you you look at the top of the wide receiver board and, and you know, you talk about Tutu At- Atwell and his, you know, he's short but just blazing fast. Well, that's Jalen Waddell, that's Rondale Moore, that's Dwayne Eskridge, that's Elijah Moore. These guys are all 5'9", running 4'3", something, so – it's it's maybe you know we're gonna have to start embracing these guys because these are the guys you know that right now are the top talents and they're gonna be in the league and so maybe we're gonna see a lot more of these guys um you know going forward but i i I love i love the fact that people also now are creating these arbitrary situations what if he's going across the middle and some 800 pound linebacker just (laughs) obliterates him or what if he's running across the middle of the field at 149 and a police the blockade is right there and they don't <laughs> they think he's carrying a gun in his hand like what if that like yeah. they always create these scenarios like okay he's gonna get tackled he's gonna pop back up like he's done thousands of time in college football like I, stop being what if he gets hit by terry tate the line yeah, exactly like what if he dies <laughs> then <Office> linebacker <laughs> terry tate <laughs> uh all right well so i'm glad you said that every because i was going to come back to you again on this one and say like if it came down to somebody and whether or not you have these players in the same range, I just want to throw this out there as more of the theory behind the receiver. So Tutu Atwell, we've covered him. My opinion on Say Sherratt is he's a chain mover right now. He's going to gobble up all the passes, but you want to talk about somebody who doesn't separate. And then, um, you know, this as well It's like, it's not just side. I hate the 40 times unless you're on the extremes. So when you're running a four, eight, that's and you're already somebody I didn't see separate that just doubles down and makes me think ooh. and what I actually said about Surratt was that he's like Kenny Galladay without the Kenny Galladay full complete set where Kenny Galladay doesn't break open you just have to have a wide receiver that trusts to throw it to you that's Surratt right now uh, so if you had to as theoretically NFL wise would you rather have an Atwell and the size concern or would you rather have Surratt and the inability to separate concern I want both because you could play them <laughs> in different positions you know, and so you can, you can ha- only you pick, pick one, though. But there's a need for both. There's a need for the big guy. Right, that, fantasy, that, the fantasy wise. How about that? Who do you think could hit better in fantasy? That's a tough question because both will need opportunities to create, you know, because they're both limited opportunity guys. Right. right? Okay. Uh, you have the red zone jump ball guy, which is only in on red zone situations. Then you have the short, small speed guy. That's only truly in on gadget situations. Right. Um, you know, so both are, are, you know, anomalies in terms of fantasy is concerned, but there's a need for both, you know, so you need a Sage Sherratt, you need a, a Trevon Grimes, you need those big, tall guys that uh, can go above the rim, those Frank Darby types, who's ironically six feet, 200, but he plays like he's six, five, 230. You know, so you need those guys. I'm waiting for you uh, to bring up a name in the NFL right now. I'm going to see if you get it or if Brandon gets it, that I was going to bring up as an example for this, but keep going. Well, but you need those guys. You need those guys to, to go up and play above the run because, again, it's a it's a situational football game. You're always trying to maximize your 46 on game day, uh, your 53-man roster. So, yes, you need both to, to kind of not answer your question. I think just you kind of need both guys, to be honest. Both <laughs> the guys are kind of still yeah. in fantasy type guys, put it that way. Okay. I was trying to remember a guy that was really good that was really slow at the wide receiver position. For Marcus some reason, Colson. Yeah, Colston. There you go. Former, former tight end in college. Um, 
and in Yahoo in his rookie year. Uh, um, Mike Williams from USC, he was pretty slow too. I remember he had a couple decent years in the NFL. What, the what other Mike Williams? Sur- <laughs> the other Mike Williams, yeah. Uh, not the Syracuse one. Um, yeah. But Surratt uses his body well, man. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's, he, for as slow as he is, you know, he does well of using leverage and using his size to, to get himself open or, or win those balls. And so I'm impressed with that. But man, four six nine forty. That's that's just slow. So it, maybe he can be a, you know, a guy that they can, as as Emery said, there's there's need for both. Maybe you can find ways to, you know, get him in a mismatch size wise and, and take advantage of that because he can kind of bully you know, young or smaller corners for sure. And, and maybe you figure out a way to, to utilize that. Was, was Dwayne Bow in the four, six range? I feel like he was a little bit slower. Maybe what, maybe he wasn't, I don't remember, but that like, again, it doesn't matter. You, this is what I always say. Emery, I, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me on this one. And I know Brandon will, but everybody at home scouts, whoever you are watching a game, you're like, you want to say, I watched that route. I watched that route. I know that route was a four, six. That one was a four, four. It's two tenths of a second. You're watching the game. You can, there's a whole thing when you watch game speed versus being like, oh, I know he can run a four, four watching him play. Like you can't pick that apart. Just watching a play happen. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen someone uh, catch, you know, uh, slower backs from behind if they break, break away in the open field. Oh, and juxtapose, you saw Barry Sanders break to the overfield a ton of times, but he was always getting run down despite him running like a low 4-4, four, 4-3. Four, four, so, I mean, yeah. there you have it. And what, the GOAT wasn't like, didn't wow people? Four, six. That's the one everybody always brings up, 4-6. I, I highly doubt he really ran a 4-6. Jerry Rice? <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of those I, urban. Well, I, I, I think whether he did or not, he didn't slow down with pads on. And that was, right. <laughs> You know, that was, the I thing. think they were still running the combine in paths. Maybe that's why that's what they were doing. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> uh, let me ask you um, first on this one, Amory, um, Nico Collins, you have concerns for his lack of reps. Or are you watching the player as the pure talent itself and saying it'll catch on? It just might take a year. Well, I, I like the player more so than the situation. I think he's going to be a better pro than he was in college. Same with someone like uh, Josh Imorta Bebe, you know, where the offense. Oh, was that's my boy. Run. You know, by the quarterback, by, you know, just the entire offensive setup. So those guys have the the talent and the skill set and the athleticism to be way better in the pro game than they were in college. I agree, man. I watched Nico Collins and I was just recently watched like the Alabama film, I think from 2019. And man, Shea Patterson just misses him on, on a few things. And Shea Patterson's not good in my mind. And, <laughs> and it felt like there was a lot left on the table that Nico could have had. I, I agree. I think he's, he's got a chance to be better in, in the NFL. Than on the table. I'd say that a lot of them got left on the floor because they yeah. didn't get to, he's going to go pick <laughs> right. up the scraps there. Emory BB is my boy. Emory. I, I said, look, can we call him Imhotep the mummy from the movies? <laughs> like we need, nobody's ever gone by the mummy. That's such an original nickname. I, I really <laughs> want him to take to that. Uh, real quick. Uh, Actually, I think Chris Mullen in the NBA was called the mummy. Cause you know, where was he's he? going, but yeah, but you know where he's going, but you can't stop him. <laughs> oh, let's see. There, there you go. See that? Well, we could do that for Imitavivi too. We'll bring it to nobody's done in the NFL at least. All right. So, Brandon, first you're on this one. Are there any veterans that if a wide receiver gets drafted to their team in round one or two that you think is at risk of like losing their fantasy value, losing their not necessarily their job, but is there somebody that just comes to mind in the 32 teams that you're like, man, if blank 
drafts Rondell Moore or Elijah Moore, or it doesn't even have to be the big three, but just that kind of that next year. Somebody drafts, you know, Wallace. Uh, is is there somebody at risk that you're thinking of that's potentially on the cusp well, of losing their job, so to speak? Yeah, I know it's it, with the receiver. It's it's different than like with running backs. It's like Dallas drafted C.D. Lamb last year, and you weren't like, oh my god, this is a you know death knell for Amari Cooper and Michael right. Gallup. But you know, I do the Sirius XM show, and we've been doing a mock draft where we bring in beat reporters, and the Giants guy picked Jalen Waddle, you know, and he thinks that they might go after a wide receiver, whether it's Waddle or Devonta Smith or or somebody else. And I'm, you know, I think that if it's a slot guy, you know, it's concerning for Sterling Shepard. If it's, uh, you know, it's outside guy, it's concerning for Darius Slayton. So I, I you know, I kind of believed him when they said that they would be going after a wide receiver early. And if they do that, then I think, you know, that's, you know, they've already added Kenny Galladay there. Um, I think that could be, that could be a problematic for either Shepard or Slayton. Bashar Perriman. That was easy. Like whoever Detroit drafts, but Sean Perriman is in trouble. It's yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. Toast. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you. Do you think, and this is the one that came to mind for me is whoever. And as of today, I guess it's Smith, but whoever the number two for the saints is like, if the saints bring in a wide receiver, like that's, to me, that's almost a given that since Emmanuel Sanders is gone, we talk about Traquan, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, that's an easy, uh, you know, kick you to the curb kind of situation for the veterans there. Yeah. Traquan will be gone. Um, (laughs) And Jameis does a good job of working touchdown to check down. He also does a good job of spreading the wealth. Uh, So Traquan, I think is a little bit too inconsistent. So now you have Michael Thomas and one of these top tier rookies. And also they're going to let Adam Troutman play the position this year at tight end. Um, so that offense will – you won't see 140 receptions with 240 targets to Michael Thomas no more this uh, this season. All right. Before we get out of here then, sleeper, we go you. We'll let Emery close the show with it. So, Brandon, you have one – a name we haven't mentioned that, you know, you know my guy now. I, I was hoping Emery wasn't going to bring him up and let me save and bring up my mummy guy. But <laughs> do you have one from this draft that – you think could, you know, potentially not even necessarily this year, but maybe year two or year three that you really like that's deeper down the list. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not a size is everything guy. And we're going to, you've only brought it up 10 times. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, (laughs) uh, let's just look at last year. Who were the best fantasy receivers right out of the gate? It was, it was Chase Claypool. It was T Higgins. It was Brandon Ayuk. It was CD lamb, these big receivers. So I'm just like, okay, we're all focusing on, on all these, you know, super quick, smaller guys, but who's a bigger guy that we're not really looking at a lot. And I, I kind of like Seth Williams from Auburn, uh, six foot three runs in the four fours. Uh, you, you look him in contested situations, a guy's like, I mean, once it's in his hands uh, and those things, it's just, you, you know, it's got these paws and just locks it down. So I could see him being a, you know, in the right situation, someone that's a red zone threat. And uh, you know, he, I think I've seen him getting knocked for his, for his breakaway speed, but at six foot three, six, four, and you're running a four, four, that's not a problem. So um, yeah, I think Seth Williams could be a surprise. I go Isaiah McCoy out of Kent state. I like his height, weight, speed makeup, and he's one that tracks the ball. Well, he goes up and attacks the ball violently when it's in the air and he has good run after the catch skills. So I like him. Like I liked Isaiah Coulter last year that came out of Rhode Island that ended up with the Texans. So I think Isaiah McCoy is someone that, has the, the makeup, the, the feel, and the playmaking ability to be one of these sleeper guys that we see go on day three that end up making an impact in year one. 
All right. Well, since you didn't say the name, I'm going to bring one more into this. And I, th- I hope I get a thumbs up for Emery. I think I do if I remember your game plan well enough. I, you know, what is it? 8,000 billion pages. So I don't remember <laughs> everything. But Jalen Darden, thumbs up. Yes. Thumbs up. Yeah, I like Darden. I like Darden and Swartz. Those are underrated speed guys, uh, you know, that no one's talking like legit track guys. But Darden is more of a he's a playmaker, man. This dude has a, a good feel for the position. And I was shocked to learn that he was five, nine one seventy four. I thought he was about six feet, one ninety. you know? So I, I, that's always know, a small good school thing. kids make him look bigger. You know, <laughs> I said about it every, this is the first line I said is it's like trying to catch a fly in the kitchen. <laughs> like that's, that's trying to catch Darden. It's just, Oh my God, just stay in one place, dude. And he doesn't, uh, before you get out of here, Emery, one more time, where people can follow your work, where people can see your videos over at CBS, all that type of stuff, your game plan, all this, get, give everybody the information before you get out of here. Follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Also subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network at youtube.com slash football game plan. Pick up the draft guide at footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. I'll show you guys right here what that baby looks like. Uh, this is so it. Beautiful. I printed it out. Um, so that's over 600 something pages. Everyone gets their own page, their own individual scouting report. So this is nothing but scouting reports, no fluff, no articles. Just scouting reports. Um, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. And catch me on day three coverage of the NFL draft at CBS Sports HQ. So just on all your streaming devices, you know, lock it in CBS Sports HQ. You'll find me on day three of the NFL draft. I would love having Emery to talk with us. There's a few, like I said, the best mind in the business. Make sure you follow him as he said. Brandon and I will be back on Wednesday, not Tuesday next week, Wednesday next week to get our final pre-draft coverage, quarterbacks and tight ends. And then we'll be back on Friday to recap the first round and talk about what's left. Dude, like I said, get, when, while you're over there with Emery, give him five stars, thumbs up it, subscribe and all that type of stuff to help get us some more viewers. And do the same thing for us if you feel so inclined. And we'll talk to you next week.